All right, Rob, why why on earth do we always put ourselves in these situations? I don't know. It seems like we end up out in the woods far more often than I'd like. Yeah, and the guy back at the gas station, I thought he sounded crazy, but I'm thinking he was onto something here. It might have been, but like I don't understand why I have to wear these really short shorts and also what's up with the melons again under my shirt? I mean, <laughs> you know what? We we do what we got to do, but you look very nice. But I'm more concerned with that thing on the windshield that looks like I don't. What would you say it looks like? I don't. Uh, it looks like a ripped off butthole with teeth. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I'm laughing. It's, I think it's, I'm near hysterics here because it's if it keeps going, it's going to get to the van windshield. And it clearly it wants to do something inappropriate with our faces, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, I've heard of ass to mouth, but I mean, this, this sets a whole new precedent. <laughs> Pretty much. And like the, the van, like, can we get out of here soon, please, Rob? This is the, creeping me out. The it's car dark. won't, it just won't start. I'm trying to get it. I mean, it was working fine, but now it's not starting and I don't understand what's going on here. Did somebody mess with the van while we were out walking in the woods? I, I don't know. That would be our luck because you know what? If that thing doesn't get us, that crazy Sarge guy going on about aliens coming to Earth is going to do a number on us. We need to get out of here fast. Yeah, this this town is just, oh, I mean, that's worse than we went to Hobbs End. I mean, yeah, they, these people are lunatics. Yeah. Seriously, did you hear that? I did. Wait, what? What is that? It sounds like the van door. Did you lock the back van door? No, I thought you did. Oh, no, Rob. I, I'm not going back there. Uh, I can't go back there. Uh, what what am I supposed to do with these melons? We could throw it at whatever's coming in. Oh, Rob, it's already in. Oh, holy ah. shit. Look at the size of that thing. Oh, my God. Ah. The hunting season has begun. But the hunter isn't human. Only the prey are. It came without warning, like nothing on this earth. Our friends are dead. Beyond any known terror. Stop that horrible creature. Come on, come on. They're me. Because when it leaves this planet, no one may be left alive. Look, I'm warning you. When they start eating on you, don't come to me for help. Baby! He came down here to the spot. He wants to get himself a few trophies. You know what? Right now, you and me, we are the prize game! The hunter. The hunted. That was no dream. The thing that preys on human fear and feeds on human flesh. From deepest space it came, and now man is the endangered species. It came without warning, and now it's coming for you. All right, all those folks out there in listening land, we appreciate you for joining us once again on Midnight Mass Creature Cast. This time, you have come to us without warning. That's right, the 1980, kind of like a horror sci-fi film. I am going to be your co-host, Mark. 
and this is my always awesome. I am Sergeant Bob's. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go with Sergeant here. Um, now I'm already apprehensive and kind of scared of you. Uh, well, I don't have any guns. So, you know. All right. Okay. There is that. There is that disheveled like look in your eye and everything. And you seem a little jittery. So that's making me nervous. Yeah. Well, I'm always like that, you know. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> that's just me right. on a good day. Yes, exactly. Now, this one was my pick. Mm -hmm. um so what did you think of it oh i hate you no i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) um this was my first time seeing it and i can't believe that i missed this movie it was a little like there were areas of the film where it's like what the hell's going on here i I don't understand it but kind of made up for it with uh with the reveal of the alien creature um and the flying sand dollar buttholes <laughs> and the whole, it was just like something that I wish I had seen in the eighties or nineties. Okay. So now with me, I remember like back in the eighties, the TV trailer and like, I wanted to see this so bad, but it was rated R so I couldn't see it. And then it just kind of like, it was always in my consciousness, but I could never find like a, VHS copy of it. It eluded me on TV. Like I never saw it like on TV. I never saw it on cable. And then finally I got my hands on a, um, I never, I, I like it never came out on DVD as far as I could find it. And finally, 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 um, Scream Factory released a Blu-ray copy and I grabbed that sucker as fast as I could. And I watched it like a bazillion times to make up for all that lost time. Cause it was one of those ones that like, as a horror fan, I knew about it. I knew of it of its existence. Um, it was just one of those coveted titles that I just knew I needed in my life. Um, and like, just based on like things I had read about in Fangoria and like you know different magazines or books and the 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 clips I've seen of it, I had like made this whole movie in my head, and I was just so excited to finally get to see it. Um, wow! And so I more than more than made up for it in the amount of times I've, I've watched it and rewatched it. I just love those things so much. Now here um, I was thinking that you had seen this in the eighties. No, I, no, I, I, God, I wish I had, but, um, I knew of it. I knew of its existence, but I had never got a hold of it. It was one of those things that like, it went to the theater and just kind of like, just seemed like it just fell under the radar. Um, that's why it didn't really surprise me that you said you didn't see it because for a long time, I think it just, it was there and it just kind of went away, hmm. you know, because um, I remember when I posted about it on Instagram, I'm like, this is a like an undiscovered gem that people really need to find because it's awesome. But I think a lot of people don't even know it exists. Yeah. Predator yeah. before Predator. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's in a lot of ways, it feels like a slasher to me. Ah, uh, yeah. I was going to bring that up, too. Yeah. Um it's, it just kind of has that feel to it. It to me is a really nice mesh of the sci-fi genre with the horror genre. Um, it's got Martin Landau and Jack Valance. It's got, a I think all star cast. I mean, Oh, David, it really does. Yeah. David Caruso. Um, and I mean, these people you see in like lots of other films and you know them from other films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not like, It's not like one of those movies that that you, 
you see it and it's super low budget and there's no one you know and it's super forgettable. Mm -hmm. Like there were everything to me like was in place for this to be like a really big success. But for some reason, it just wasn't. It almost seemed like a little blip, like it just was there and just gone, you know? Yeah. And that's probably why I hadn't heard word about it. Mm hmm. Right. So anyway, if you're OK with it, I was going to kind of delve into the background uh, of the people behind the camera and then kind of move on from there if you're okay with it. Absolutely. All right. So the director of this is Graydon Clark. Now, I love a lot of this man's uh, directorial work. The first thing I ever saw by him was Satan's Cheerleaders from 1977. And I love this movie so much. You've probably never heard of it, I'm guessing. No, never heard of it. Like I, it would be on TV. It seemed like my local TV channel would show this a lot. And I loved this thing. Um, if, if anyone's like even remotely interested in it, I highly recommend seeing it. It's just the weirdest, strangest movie. And if there was a way I would be Satan's cheerleader, I, I would like make that my life goal. Um <laughs> He would later do The Return with Jan Michael Vincent and Sybil Shepard in 1980. Then he did like a spoof um, of horror films called Wacko from 1982. He did The Uninvited from 1987. And now this one may make your ears perk up. Uh, he did a film called Dance Macabre from 92 with Robert England. I didn't see that, but I have heard of it. Okay, yeah, that's a weird one. You you. I would recommend you watching it just because I know you're a big Robert England fan. It's it's a very um, the twist is very odd, uh, but I recommend that one too just because it's kind of fun and goofy. Now, he was also an actor kind of before he got to behind the camera, and just really quick because I love that the director's name is Al Adamson, and he did like kind of like low budget films, but I love him so much. Um, the first Al Adamson movie I ever saw, and it terrified me as a child. Looking back, it's not at all scary, but as a kid, it scared me to death. It was called Dracula versus Frankenstein in 1971. And to this day, I love that movie. Like, I will watch that like any time of the day. You put that on, I'm happy as a camper. Oh, I'm interested also, in that. Oh, are you now? That's what you say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds um, awesome. Dracula versus Frankenstein. It does sound awesome, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, it sounds so awesome. <laughs> um, he was also in Satan's Sadists from 69, and he did Hell's Bloody Devils from 70. And those are all Al Adamson directed films that he starred in as an actor. Oh, cool. Yes. Um, and then he was also in... Psychic Killer from 75. And I love that one because it has Julie Adams in it as well. And she was the actress from Creature from the Black Lagoon because I love that movie. Like, I love Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, that is an awesome movie. Yeah. So anyway, that's our director, Graydon Clark. And I love his name, too. That's just a super cool name. So now the cinematographer or director of photography on this one is Dean Cundy. He worked on this between shooting Halloween in the Fog for John Carpenter. Hmm. Yes. Now, just a couple things. He also worked on The Witch Who Came from the Sea, which I love that film. It's from uh, 1976, except he was uncredited. But if you're if listeners out there are into just kind of odd, quirky cinema, I highly recommend that movie. 
Um, Dean Cundy worked with him on Satan's Cheerleaders. Dean Cundy was also responsible for a Halloween and Halloween two and Halloween three, as far as the cinematography goes. Um, he also worked with Dorothy Stratton on Galaxina from 1980, um, which I love that movie as well. So I had to get that in there. Now, as far as the special effects makeup um, um, and the uh, designer of, and creator of the uh, creature, we have Rick Baker. I've heard that name. Oh, gosh, yes. Because um, we've already done the Fun House and we've already done American World in London, which are two of his. Much earlier, some of the ones that I love, he did It's Alive from 1974, but he was uncredited on that. But I love that one with the killer mutant baby. Have you seen that? I've heard of it, but I might have seen it. I'm just not. I can't be sure. Okay. I love that so much. Uh, I love it so much. (laughs) I still remember walking to school and there was a grocery store that had a big like billboard and that that one was up there forever. The the like billboard poster for It's Alive. It was like a little bassinet with a little gnarled, creepy hand coming up over it. And then they replaced it with Prophecy, too. That one was up there forever, too. The the mutant bear in a like embryo embryotic egg. Maybe I'm thinking too. of Basket Case, though. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, I could see that, too. Yeah. Kind of oddly similar in a lot of ways, but then not, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I love It's Alive. There's like a couple of those. One even has Karen Black in it, which I love Karen Black. But then he also did a work on Squirm from 1976 about the killer earthworms. Or they're not earthworms, they're like... Oh, the worms. flatworms? The, 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 yes, that we talked about. Yeah, yes, the yes. stuff we were talking about. Yeah. Yes. And then Rick did some work on, uncredited on the King Kong from 1976 with I, Jessica Lange. I think I did see that movie. I bet you did, because back then everyone saw that movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the last one I want to talk about is he worked with David Cronenberg and Debbie Harry of Blondie fame in, for Videodrome in 1983. Ooh. And then we need to talk uh, briefly about Greg Can- Canum, C-A-N-N-O-M. He also worked on the special effect makeup, make, special effects makeup. Um, he worked with Brian De Palma on the Fury. Um, he did Vamp from '86. He worked on Nightmare on Elm Street Three: The Dream Warriors from '87. He did uh, nine episodes of the TV show Werewolf, which we really need to sit down and watch. Yeah, we got to see that. And then one of my favorite movies, he did Fright Night Part Two in '88. Ah, something we were just talking about a couple episodes back. Yes, I kind of like to tie that in. So that those are the people behind the the goings on of this film that that, that brought us uh, all the magic, the movie magic. Can I say um, that alien was scary as hell? Thank you. I think it's Whew. super super creepy. It is. It really yeah. is. To me, even if they didn't have the little flying discs things. He alone would be creepy enough to make the movie worth right. the price of admission. Like if that was just stalking you through the woods and like everybody's just trying to run away from it. There were no flying little things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That would make it terrifying. I, I find it interesting that they went the route of the little like living discs things. Yeah. You know, just why not just stick with the alien? Because to me, that would have been just as creepy. Right. Because what are those things? Is it because the maybe the guy, uh, what's his name? Kevin Peter Hall. Maybe he didn't have enough mobility or line of line of sight in that suit. Um, 
so they had to let like those little tiny discs do most of the work maybe yeah i don't know or who knows or did, did it, they feel it gave them more opportunities for gore maybe but yeah. there wasn't really that much gore i mean the, a, a few liquidy kind of things but yeah yeah hmm. um yeah i don't know I, I i really don't know i don't but it does not bother me i'm not complaining at all it's just an interesting route they went yeah, because you know. I mean that alien is really freaking scary. Yes, if you if you if you were in the forest at night and you saw that thing, <laughs> holy moly! <laughs> I would scream like those little Cub Scouts did. Yes. <laughs> oh oh yeah. No, like I, kudos to the people behind the the effects on this one, and they're all practical. I think they did an amazing job on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a, an amazing job. Um. So. I think if you're okay with it, I might just kind of do the thespians as we come to their scenes, if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. All right. So <laughs> um, the movie starts and um, we're kind of like at a forest. There's like a little ravine and we've got our POV shot and we have, it's basically a father and an older son and they're, they're kind of like camping. Um, and you almost wonder why they're together because they clearly, don't get along well. They, they they basically have very different ideas on on the world. Their worldviews are very very polarizing and very opposite of each other. Yeah, and what I thought of at first, I thought it was going to be a little boy that he was, you know, getting up out of the Winnebago. Exactly the way <laughs> it started. Yeah, because he's like yelling for him and everything. He's like, yeah. come on, boy. <laughs> yes. So the dad now the way he's listed, it just says Hunter, and I. I can't remember in the actual film if they ever say his name or if he's just a hunter, but that's the actor Cameron Mitchell. Um, And they really did get a lot of people like actors who have like kind of a lot of uh, horror titles to their names. Um, Mr. Mitchell was in a giallo by Mario Bava, Blood and Black Lace from 64, which I I don't know if you're a giallo fan, but I love giallo films. Um, He also did Haunts from 76. Now, I do love animal attack films, and he was in The Swarm from 78. Um, this is another one that I love, and it was kind of like this movie. It just kind of seemed like it was there and it disappeared, but it was called The Silent Scream from 79. Hmm. Uh, he did Memorial Valley Massacre from 89, and then he was also in Jacko from 95, but that's Cameron Mitchell. Wow, and I didn't see any of those. Uh, they're kind of... I've got a very eclectic horror taste. That's why I like to... That's why I like about this show is because anyone out there listening, these are movies that I love and I recommend things that I've seen by these thespians. Mm -hmm. And so just to kind of give people a little bit, a smorgasbord of horror (laughs) as you would have it. Um, And then to me, the the son, his name is Randy. He looked very familiar, but then when I looked him up, I haven't seen a lot of his films, but he's Darby Hinton or porn stash as I would call him, to be honest with you. Yeah. He's definitely the porn stash. Yeah. Yeah. Now he worked with um, the director Graydon before he was also in the return and he was in Wacko. So they've had like a bit of a history together, but these two clearly don't like clearly don't see eye to eye. They really don't get along very well. Um, Like there's one point where, well, the the, the dad gives Randy the gun and Randy just empties the bullets out of it. He's like, I'm not going to be hunting here. (laughs) Yeah. He would rather read his books. Exactly. Exactly. And then like the dad gets the dig in that like he's, he's a sissy because he was raised by his mom. So 
dad, I guess, was in the picture very much. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's a scene where Randy's sitting there and dad, like, raises the gun and, like, are you going to, like, shoot your son or shoot near your son to just scare the bejesus out of him? Right. That's what I was saying. I was like, are you going to kill the kid because he's not, he's not uh, fitting your view of the world? I know. He seems like such a jackass. <laughs> now, Cameron Mitchell, in a lot of his films, he plays a very similar type of character. Uh, the actor. Okay. But anyway, so before he gets a chance to shoot uh, Randy, this like hairy disc thing, like <laughs> flies up and attaches to the dad's neck. And he's like little tendril things like slide out and just like drill into the skin. Yeah. It's a more, uh, more th- throwback to uh, when we did kindred and like those tentacles go underneath the skin. Exactly. And then he gets a second one. And then we see that the son has grabbed the gun, but it's it's an unloaded. So it's not going to do him any good. And there's like a third disc that's thrown and you just hear a scream. Yeah. And so uh, that's the end of our first uh, yeah, introduction. I know. And I want, I was team Randy. I wanted him to survive long enough to go skinny dipping, but that didn't happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> um Oh, really quick, because I'm going to forget this once I turn the page. So I read somewhere this had a $150,000 budget. And $75,000 of that went to Martin Landau and Jack Palance. Really now? Yeah. So like basically half the budget just went to pay the two actors to get them in the film. (laughs) Holy crap. I believe that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because they weren't like, even back then, they were still very well-known and respected actors. And like... Of course, Martin Landau would, no, yeah, Martin Landau would later go on and win the Oscar for uh, Ed Wood for his portrayal of Bela Lugosi. Yeah, those are A-listers right there, yeah. I'm sorry? Those are A-listers. Yes, oh, yes, totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I I have it written here and I will totally forget it. Anyway, so we've got our new day and we see our two couples and one of them is on a blind date. Uh, They haven't met before. And then uh, our... um, Couples is Tom and Beth. And then Tom, like you were saying, is David Caruso. The show that I was trying to remember that had butt shots, and it was a really big deal because it was on regular TV. But they had nudity just by showing butts, and it was a huge deal. It was NYPD Blue, and David Caruso was on it from 93 to 94. Okay. He was Detective John Kelly on that. All right. I've never seen those shows. Okay. And then he got, he got kind of like, I think an inflated sense of self worth. Uh, And he left thinking his like career was going to like explode, which I don't think it really had the trajectory that he had hoped for. But anyway, he did a movie called Jade from 95. And I I saw that one. And then he was also, now, did you ever see session nine from 2001? Uh, That's the haunted the yes. haunted thing, right? Yes, I yes. think I did see okay. that. Okay, I was going to say, if not, I'm going to demand that you watch that because it's so creepy. Um, and then in the 80s, he was in First Blood. I don't know if you saw any of the Sylvester Stallone Rambo movies, but he was in First Blood. Oh, yeah, I've seen Rambo movies, yeah. Okay, okay, I, yeah, so he was in that. You may recognize him from that. So Tom, now Tom and Beth, they are the couple that know each other, and those are the ones that set these two up on the blind date, the other couple. But Beth is Tom's girlfriend. And that's Lynn and it's Thiel, T-H-E-E-L. Is she familiar to you at all, Rob? Mm. I don't know, honestly. Okay, so just for fun, 
imagine her putting on a bathrobe and not being able to wear it properly. And then imagine her being <laughs> molested by humanoids. Oh, no way. Yes. She's from Humanoids from the Deep. She was Peggy Larson. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only other film that I uh, knew this woman from. And I don't believe she has a big film filmography, but I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Peggy. <laughs> wow. No, I would never have made that connection. No, never, never. Not until I did my research. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's her. Um, and then our other two couple, which eventually, you know, become our main couple, uh, is Greg. And that's Christopher S. Nielsen. Now, the only thing I knew him from, because I love Linda Blair and I love disco and I love roller skating. He was in a movie called Roller Boogie from 79. And then Sandy, his girlfriend was Tara Nutter, which the name. That I name I sounds familiar. <laughs> I know her from nothing. I have not written down for this lady. I oh, don't know maybe I'm thinking of something anything. else then. Oh, you may know her from. Some, well, honestly, Rob, I think she only had like five films. Uh, but anyway. So okay. That's yeah. Never mind. I've never seen her in anything. I'm just maybe the name stuck out to me like that. That sounds like a total poor name. Tara, oh, I get where you're going. Okay. To me, I thought of Nutter Butter, Peanut Butter Bars. That's all I could think of when I saw her name. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, oh, and one more thing. David Caruso was only 24 years old when he made this. Wow. Isn't that weird? Anyway. Okay. So here we go. So basically the four of them are heading off to the forest in that van, that yellow van. Uh, and they need to get gas. So they stop stop off at Taylor uh, Gas, which is owned by, uh, we eventually find out, Jack Palance, because he's Joe Taylor. Yeah. And see, I don't know whether it's like what goes on in my brain when I'm watching these films, but I give them like their, I make up names for them because I don't know their actual names. So I just called him um, crazy local number one. <laughs> Or something. Oh, yeah. They know? both come off as very insane and very yeah. intense, don't they? Yeah. Right. It's now, almost like oh, the hills ahead. have eyes kind of thing or um, <laughs> wrong turn vibes where it's like, you know, yeah. the whole town's in on some weird shit. To me, though, I would feel now they're both crazy. It's like, you know, which. How intense do you want to go? But I would feel safer with Joe, Jack Palance's character than I would with the Sarge because the Sarge just seems completely unhinged. Oh yeah. Whereas, he's, yeah. He's yeah. off his rocker. Joe seems like you could at least like reason with him, but Sarge just seems like <laughs> there's no, no way you could reason and talk to this man at all. He's just gone. <laughs> yeah. Especially when he starts reciting his uh, name and serial number and whatever. Oh yeah. Else, you know? Yeah. You're like, Oh no, 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 no. I don't want to be alone with this man ever. Yep. He's um, having flashbacks. Yes. Oh, yes. Big time. Um, so Joe Taylor is the gas station owner and that's Jack Palance. Now, I love Jack Palance. I don't know your thoughts on this man, but I think he's an amazing actor. I love him so much. He's um, intense, man. He's very intense. Isn't he? Oh, but in a good way for me, like yeah. I, in a good way. Um, now, a couple things real quick, because I just I love him so much. He did a Joan Crawford movie called Sudden Fear, which Anyone out there looking for like old time, old school kind of horror films, go for that one. I love horror anthologies. Um, and this one was called Torture Garden from 67. And it was an amicus anthology. And anyone out there who knows their anthologies will know what I mean when I say amicus. It's the studio who produced it. Um, and uh, his, uh, his segment was called The Man Who Collected Poe. 
He also played Dracula in 1974, which I actually like him as Dracula. It was kind of fun. Um, he was in a film called Craze, also from 74, which I recommend. Um, did you ever see, now I know you're not a big slasher fan, but did you ever see Alone in the Dark? I saw the Christian Slater one. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, and I thought I should have qualified this. So there was another Alone in the Dark where Jack Palance and Martin Landau are escaped mental patients. Huh. And they attack a family in their home. Okay, it's yeah. I never saw that one. Wonderful. Like everybody out there, if you've not seen this Alone in the Dark, because the other one, I don't know if I speak for you, but I thought it was garbage. <laughs> yeah, it was trash, man. It yeah, was. I did not. Isn't that the one where Tara Reid wears glasses and she's a scientist? Yeah, she, well, she's not a scientist. What is she like? Uh, she's a museum coordinator or something like that. But she wears glasses. Am yeah, I right? she wears glasses. Yeah, because Walt and I still to this day joke that if someone puts on glasses, they're smart, but immediately they take them off and they're not smart. Yeah. <laughs> but like, guys, I'm telling you, please, 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 please watch this one and then immediately watch Alone in the Dark because I love that movie so much. These two guys together, I they're a great team. They should have done tons of movies together. I love these two gentlemen together. Um, I'm and then gonna, I'm going to watch oh. that now. Oh, seriously. Now, don't read anything about it, too. So you should not have any spoilers when you do watch it. Nope, not going to read anything. OK. Um, and then he did Gore and Gore 2 from 87 and 88. Uh, he was in Batman, Tim Burton's Batman from 89. And I loved how Tim Burton would do that. He would get these actors and just put them in these roles that you would never think they would do. And they were like really great in it. And then the last one I want to talk about, he was in Tango and Cash. With oh, one of my favorite movies. That's right. He was the uh, he was the villain. One of my favorite movies, but I bet for a very different reason. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that's that's um, Jack Palance. So they stop off to get the gas, but he's nowhere to be found. Um, and the the two women, the girls, they need to use a bathroom. Uh, there's this like dead bobcat just hanging there. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, now I don't know about you. This is just a me thing. But when like, it's just odd to me to see like an adult woman, woman with like pigtails. I don't know why. It's just always so odd to me. But Sandy's the one rocking the pigtails. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, they head into the man's bathroom because the girls is locked and there's this writing on the bathroom stall that says no chance no help no escape yeah no she ends up reading it and then after that runs into martin landau as sergeant dobbs or yeah, yeah sergeant dobbs yeah and he kind of like confronts her and she's like what does that mean he's like he's like i've got no answer he just like leaves yeah which the whole interaction was very weird and creepy um and then just i'll do him very quickly too so we've got martin landau um and that's sarge fred dobbs um he uh, did uh, two episodes of The Twilight Zone, 59 and 64. He was an alien attack, which was basically, did you ever watch the TV show Space 1999? No. Okay. Um, he was in that for 48 episodes that ran from 75 to 77. Now, he was also in The Return, which I mentioned that Graydon had directed. He was in that. Another one that I'm going to demand that we do sometime, Rob, is The Being from 81. 
Okay. All right. We need to do that. Um, I've already talked about Ed Wood, which he won his Oscar for. Um, I've already mentioned Alone in the Dark. And then he did uh, the X-Files movie in 98. And then he also uh, worked again with Tim Burton in Sleepy Hollow, which I love that film. That is an awesome film. Yeah, he was uncredited. And then he did a voice in Frankenweenie from 2012. Did you ever see Frankenweenie? No. Okay, I like that one. It's a Tim Burton one. Okay, so that's that's our Martin Landau, the crazed sergeant. So anyway, they realize that the pumps uh, aren't locked, so they can go ahead and fill up with gas. And then Tez just like, we could take off. And the other three are like, no, we need to pay for this gas. So they head in, and they're going to pay and everything. Uh, and that's when they run into actual um, Joe Taylor. Yeah, and he's he's like scary as shit, man. Oh, he's very intense. Yeah. And he, they, he's like, you know, what, what are you doing up here? And um, they're like, we're going to go to the lake. And he's like, no, it's hunting season. You don't want to go there because there's lots of accidents that have been happening up there. Um, and he's like, you know, don't go. And finally, they're like, OK, we won't go. <laughs> and But this is also where they get into the conversation about hunting. And Sandy's like, I'm not a hunter. I couldn't kill anything. <clears throat> and then. um Joe's explaining how there's a difference between like uh, killing for sport and then killing for for food. Yeah. You know, there's there's a big difference. Uh, And then finally, just to shut them up, they're like, "Okay, we won't go. And then they all leave. And then we get our next scene with the Boy Scout troop. Oh, (laughs) and this guy that brought back some uh, some PTSD there from. From uh, Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts, man. Now, did you in, were you in it very long? Um, let's see. I would say maybe a matter of three to four years. Okay, you made it much longer than than Little Fat Mark did. Yeah, yeah. Well, Little yeah. Skinny Rob did not have it well, especially on camping trips. So we never got to that at all. <laughs> um, now, why did you not like the camping trips? We constantly hiked, and my feet were always. Like I've always had trouble with my feet. So I would constantly be in pain and like, I can't walk any farther. And they're like, suck it up. You know? You're right. Yeah. There's some things you just can't suck up. Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't even think, I don't think I lasted like a, a full month. Um, our troop leaders were very intense. They were two females. Um, and I remember I was supposed to walk out first and carry the American flag, which I had no problem with that, but it was like, not a small American flag. It was a giant American flag. And I was little and the pole was heavy as heck. And I couldn't hold it up. And there was one point where she was telling us all what to do. And instead of leaving it where it was supposed to be, she had me hold it while she started talking, giving us all these directions. Oh boy. And there, and it slipped and hit the floor and she turned around and slapped me across my face. Wow. And then I had to walk out and that, you know how you get where like, you're trying to hold in the tears and you're like, I don't think I can do it anymore. And you start crying. And I had to walk through the gymnasium, like kind of crying and, and, and then scared to death to let the, flag fall again because i didn't know what she would do after the fact. holy shit man that's and then terrible. after that my mom's like you're not going back and i'm like okay <laughs> yeah i would not want to go back either especially getting slapped in the face by a, a troop oh, leader it wasn't like a little it was like wow it reminds me of that i don't know if you've ever seen a little they use it in like memes all the time but it's like that picture of ba- the comic drawing of Batman backhanding Robin oh yeah yeah that one <laughs> that's what it reminded me of <laughs> It's like you let the flag drop. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Wow. But anyway, 
yeah so that's my uh that's my boy scout story. so we both anyway. had some bad experiences <laughs> yeah we did <laughs> but nothing against the boy scouts you know i you know just against the, not, the scouts themselves, nothing. Against right, them. exactly. Yeah. Now they did not sell cookies because I think if they had sold cookies, Fat Mark would have lasted a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we did sell candy bars, though. I, I remember something like that too. Yeah, but like I said, we were not in it very, very long at all. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, so now our troop leader is Larry Storch. Do you know this actor from anything at all? He doesn't look familiar to me. Okay, so I was a TV baby, Rob. Like, I lived on TV. <laughs> and I would watch reruns of old TV shows. And so I knew him from F Troop. Um, it was on from 65 through 67 for like 65 episodes. He was on that. Um, and so that I knew him from that first. But this gentleman has done like a ton of voiceover work in cartoons. Not voiceover, but like voice work in cartoons. Now, I loved the Groovy Ghoulies, and they were kind of like a spinoff of Sabrina the Teenage Witch cartoon. Wow. And he did voices on those. Um, so I, I I knew him from that. And then the Brady Bunch got their own cartoon called The Brady Kids, and he did uh, 22 episodes of that. Then he also, I love disaster movies, and he was in Airport 75, which came out in 1974. And then there's a horror movie called Sweet 16 from 1983 with Dana Kimmel. And she was in Friday 13th Part 3. She's the one that survived. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, but that's a weird one. Because um, the premise is it's her 16th, not Dana Kimmel, but the 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 girl in the movie, it's her 16th birthday. But it's like uber sexualized. So I'm like, well, wait a minute. You really should be sexualizing a 16-year-old. But things happen before her birthday. So it's like you're sexualizing a 15-year-old. It's just a really <laughs> weird movie. <laughs> but I do enjoy it for all its weirdness. But anyway, that's that, those are all the things I know Mr. Storch from. But he's their, like, scoutmaster. But he's, like... <laughs> he's, like, really a military the, guy. Yeah, but he's also really not the best at doing it either. <laughs> yeah, like, he can't... Whatever was going on with the compass, he was like, we just need to follow this compass. Oh, it's going in every direction here. Well, but did you... Okay, I think that was because of the alien. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Yeah, because there's the scene where... Okay, so basically what he does is he sends the, the, the younger boys, the Cub Scouts, like, in different directions to find, like, souvenirs to take back home. And he eventually makes his way to the abandoned RV looking for help because his feet hurt and everything. Oh, yeah. And then he's talking about like bunions on his foot or something like that. Okay. Yes. Did you notice that the alien, you can see the alien back in the brush watching him? I did, but it was only for a split second. Like yes. Okay. Okay. But you caught that too. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because the first go round, first couple of times, I did not notice that. Anyway, I did see um, it. And that that's what terrified me the most at first. I was like, holy shit, that's not human. No, it's really cool. And I do love when movies don't wait until the dark. Like when they have like things like creepy things happening in daylight. I love right, that. Right, because it makes you think like, okay, th this can happen not just at night, but it can happen anytime. Exactly. Yes, exactly. You're not safe. You're just not safe. Um, well, that's where he spies the gun and Randy's book from earlier and he has a cigarette, but there's no matches and he tries to <laughs> tries oh. to light it with that stone. 
Oh man, that's that's like I've never seen anything like that. No. Well, this is where he's attacked with the two discs and he gets them on his back and the tendrils enter, and that's the end of our scoutmaster. Yeah. Then we cut to our Cub Scouts playing, and there's just that shadow that goes kind of over like the the brush. Mm-hmm. And they all start screaming and they all retreat, except that one's just standing there screaming. Yeah. And it's like that would have been me. I would have been the frozen and fear Cub Scout. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which one I would have been, whether I would have just immediately ran or I would have just stood there like pissing my pants. No, I know me. I'm the I am the frozen in fear one. Okay. And then I take I'm a very delayed reaction. Like Walt always laughs because when I get scared, like nothing happens, and then I'll go, ah. <laughs> and then I'll react, but I'm very slow to react. It's, it's, it's your uh, your brain doesn't register what your body wants to yeah. do, kind of thing. I'm very slow on the uptake, so I would I would be the first one killed in any situation. <laughs> <laughs> just if you're hunted by zombies, just take Mark with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just grab him and run. So we have our van arriving at the forest. And they're now, okay, so the van arrives and they're going to go swimming in the water. Okay, is what they eventually want to do. Did it not look damn cold to you? It did. It looked freezing cold, actually. I would not want to go swimming there. No, I'm like, you're not even convincing me that this looks warm enough to go swimming. No. It just looked really cold. It did not look like a hot day. It looked like no more like a fall or early spring kind of day. Yeah, it did not look warm and inviting. Not mm-hmm. at all. Not remotely. <clears throat> so Tom and Beth, which is David Caruso and his girlfriend. Oh, who was a playmate model? Uh, that would be, what's her, Lynn Thiel? Yeah, 1975 playmate. Okay. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <clears throat> so they get out the the blanket, which I don't know if you know the blanket, but I'm like, I want that blanket in the worst way because it was a Star Wars blanket. No, I didn't notice that. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, I need that in the worst way. So they get out their blanket. And I don't know if you remember those blankets, but they were like, they weren't warm and inviting. They were kind of like stiff and itchy. They were like towel blankets, right? Kind of. Yeah, they just weren't. They were very stiff. They never softened up. They never softened up. Anyway, so those two undress and go for a swim. But like Sandy's kind of not having it. Um. I actually wrote down in my notes, I have parentheses. Is it December? It looks so cold. <laughs> so basically Greg and Sand. Oh, because the other two are just like acting like there's no one else in the world and they're all hot and heavy and into it. And, you know, Greg's just met Sandy. So they're not even really comfortable with like yeah, probably like, shaking hands, let alone <laughs> <laughs> making a baby. How how about we just like take a walk? <laughs> cool. Yeah. So they kind of head off. Now, there's this movie, like many other movies of the time, has lots of POV shots to give us like the aliens watching everything going on. Yeah. That reminded me of a slasher film. Yes, doesn't it? Very Mm -hmm. much so. Well, this whole setup, like we're going to go to the forest. We're going to go swimming. You know what I mean? That seems all very like slashery to me. Yeah. And then like from the from the hunter or killer's POV type Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then so. We get, you know, Greg and Sandy and they're walking along and they're, they've got this giant boom box that no one would know what they're doing with it nowadays. Uh, but the radio's on the fritz. It's not working. They can't get any stations to come in. And <laughs> so Tom and Beth are now on shore on their blanket and they start to make out. Yep. And um, Greg's saying that he doesn't understand because the radio worked before. Um, and then Sandy doesn't like the static because it unsettles her. 
Yeah. And I'm thinking you've been hooked up with a high maintenance person, Greg, is what's happening to you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, uh, it was hard to pay attention to because I kept going back to how much I hated those short shorts and those hairy legs. Like, that's weird because i kept thinking how much i love those short shorts and those hairy legs i remember the 80s and having to wear shorts like that and it sucked so bad i would not go outside oh rob the shorts were so short yeah so short they were now, did you ever see sleepaway camp um i think i started to watch it but i never actually got around to finishing it Oh, you need to finish it. <laughs> but anyway, that to me is one of the most prime examples of how short men's shorts were at that time. I hate that so much. Men also rocked crop tops, like those short, those half shirts. Yes, I rem- I used to rock those. <laughs> yeah, men used to wear. I never had the body for it, but I appreciate men that, that did. But yeah, men used to wear half shirts all the time. Yeah, like that anyway. was the thing. The them Def Leppard half shirts. Oh yeah, <laughs> or like uh, they almost looked like football jerseys, but they were just cut. What about the the uh, basketball socks that used to go up to the knees? Oh, yeah, I would wear those, but with sandals. Yeah, I was a dork. <laughs> I was a big dork, yeah. Oh, man. I so, hated the 80s for that, man. I oh, really yeah, did. yeah. Um, so Greg and Sandy by now have like run out of things to do in the woods. And they're like, clearly these two are done doing whatever they were going to do. And they head back to the van and they see the blanket. But the, like Tom and Beth are nowhere to be found. Yeah. Oh, can I just add that? Her oh, yeah, purple- go. Her purple bikini was awesome. I mean, I love purple so much. And it just like her purple bikini was awesome. <laughs> I really oh, liked did, that. Did she have a bikini? I don't remember her really. No. Anyway, yeah. Um, not being silly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is like so anything that's purple, it immediately catches my attention. I'm trying to remember it. Did it have, was it all purple or did it have white? Was it purple with white ribbing and like the the top? Because it was a two piece, wasn't it? Correct. Yeah, I think it was all purple though. It's like solid all purple. purple. Okay, okay, yeah. She also was a very Sandy, not so much, but Beth was very eighties looking because she had that like kind of permed hair. Yeah, like Nina Blackwood from MTV. Yeah, yeah. She Beth was very eighties looking. Um, yeah. Anyway, so they're nowhere to be found. They're like looking the back of the van now. Did you think that they were going to be in the back of the van like dead? No, I didn't think that. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought actually they were going to be found on that Star Wars blanket slash towel, like all with like the things sucked to their faces and whatnot. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Now this does not have, it's not a big body count movie like a slasher film would be. It really is not like tons of like teens just to be killed. Yeah. Like happens in a very small area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they decide, well, maybe the two of them went for a walk. So they decide, so Greg and Sandy decide to have a picnic. (laughs) And now they're getting like really irate because it's been a really long time. It's becoming dusk and they still don't know where Beth and Ted have gone off to. So they go along this little path in search of them. Um, And Sandy's still not thinking this is the right thing to do. But Greg's like, no, we're hot on their trail. (laughs) So we get that first jump scare scene where Sandy falls into that trap. Oh, yeah. she The hole that, uh, what's his name, Dobbs had been digging to capture the alien. Yeah. 
but we don't even know about that till much later in the film. Basically, it's just like a hole in the ground. Yeah, I thought the alien actually dug that to, yes, to capture it, the yes, humans. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but luckily Greg's able to help her out. Um, and that's when they're like, oh gosh, this probably happened to to Ted and and Beth. They probably mm-hmm. fell in these traps too. Um, I picture them falling in the same trap because they were still just kissing and they're still just writhing around kissing in the trap. They don't even realize they probably broke their necks like by falling in the <laughs> hole or something. Right. Because they were just too busy making out. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But this is where Sandy spies that just like shed off in the nothingness, basically. And it's um, they they approach it and it says it's like the water department and the doors open just a little bit. And that's where Greg opens it to see the the three victims from before. So that's the dad, Cameron Mitchell, the dad and porn stash. And then um, (laughs) the scout leader in there. Well, yeah. there's also, is it Ted or Tom? Am I, am I calling him the wrong name? Um, I don't know. Let me look. It's Tom. I'm sorry, David Caruso. Tom, not Ted. So we also see Tom's corpse in there and we see Beth. And also, don't you find it funny that Beth is completely naked? I mean, it's implied. I was going to bring that up to you. Yeah. You don't see a single thing, but her top, she's. Her shoulders are bare. You don't see her top. Like, there's no top on this girl. Right. But yet, uh, David Caruso has is fully clothed. He's just missing an eye. Yeah. Thank goodness, because I don't want to see David Caruso unclothed. But yeah, <laughs> um, I because Walt brought that up, too. He's like, was she nude, like, swimming? I'm like, not that I know of. There was never a nude scene of this girl. No. They, like, yeah. the last thing we saw of her, she was wearing that purple bikini and you know, they were making out on the towel or whatever the hell it was. And like, that was it. So it makes you wonder when would it have been? I don't know. When, when would that have been, you know, was there a scene that was cut that we were privy to or were they implying, implying that the alien did something inappropriate? I don't know. It's just weird. Do you yeah, know what I mean? It left me thinking that I was like, why did the alien like strip her of her clothing? Because she was the only female Right. Yeah. The whole thing was very odd. I just, Oh, and you know what, if you were going to do a topless scene, then you would show the toplessness, but they didn't. It's right. Right. It's not even, it's not even like cropped low enough to like really even see cleavage. It's just cropped. So you notice that she's not wearing a top. It's very odd. Very odd. Um, anyway, so Greg and Sandy, they're freaked out and they start running they arrive at the van, which of course they have no keys. So then we get the, as you mentioned oh, before. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, we we get the, uh, the, the disc with these like sharp pointed teeth attaching itself to the windshield. And it's like making that weird suction noise. And oh, no, go ahead, Rob. Yeah. And so like at first I thought, okay, flying sand dollars. But then when it stuck to, you saw the underside of this thing, mm-hmm. it looked like a butthole with teeth. <laughs> and then I was talking to Rob off air, but to me, they always, especially like just seeing the commercials again and again, they reminded me of geranium leaves. Um, But now I don't know how you would explain it, but when like the alien or the disc are around, there's this weird kind of like noise that it makes, which I love. It sounds like rats or mice, like something. Yeah. I love it. I love it so much, but you can always tell when it's around because you hear this. Well, anyway, they can't find the keys and Walt's just sitting on the couch saying it's in the visor. Look at the visor. It's in the visor. He's like, keys are always in the visor. So, of course, the keys are in the visor. So they get the keys. But the van, of course, will not start. And they're hearing these noises from the back of the van like something's trying to get in. Yeah, like the knob is slowly being turned. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And so they finally get it started. They take off. 
And that thing is still on the glass. And I'm thinking, hit the windshield wiper. So finally they do and it wipes off. Exactly. Okay. I thought that way before them, I'm like, if you want to try to get it off, maybe just turn on the wipers first. And exactly. Then all, yeah. And then all of a sudden Sandy's like, try the wipers. And I was like, thank you. I, yeah. I, 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 it's almost like the two of them were like raised by Amish people <laughs> and they're not familiar with technology at all, but she can like make a mean brain, a, yeah. a mean brain in her hair. Yeah. What is this sorcery? It is. It's the weirdest thing. Anyway, I, I guess they're just so distraught over seeing their friends naked and dead. Yeah. Missing an eye and all that. <laughs> right. So they arrive back at the inn where they sell beer and they have pool. Uh, and now I love this. I love this so much. Classic horror movie trope. You stay in the van and I'm going to go inside. Oh yeah. The, like let's run into that basement and hide there. Yeah. I, no reason for them to separate. None, none whatsoever. But he makes her stay in the van, which she willing, uh, willingly agrees to do basically. And he goes inside <laughs> <laughs> and he tells her to lock the door. Did you know she only locked her side? No, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Because Walt's like, he just got out that door and she didn't lock it. So, <laughs> again, she doesn't understand how technology works. Maybe she thought it was automatic on every door. Yeah, I don't know what. <laughs> anyway, so. Um, Greg heads inside and he's telling Aggie, which is basically the the woman who owns the place, the the uh, the waitress behind the counter you know, that his friend's dead and everything. And they're like, you know, we're not just going to call the police. We need to know more about this. What's happened, you know? Didn't everybody um, just seem way too nonchalant in there? They did. They did. I, but I guess you've got this clearly a, a kid, you know, running in there making this claim. You know, are you going to believe him? Or are you going to think he's just like some, you know, because you're all from there. You're locals. Here's some stranger coming in making this wild wild bizarre claim about an alien killing your friend or you know your friends are dead he didn't bring the alien up yet but your friends are dead and you know i don't know i guess maybe you would just be i don't nonchalant anyway so i don't know you know what i mean yeah i just i don't know it seemed like they okay the through most of the movie i thought like they're in on it they're in on it they know um, and so that's why I guess I was like, oh, they're just going to act like nothing's wrong because they know what's going on. You know, it's kind of like mm -hmm. American Werewolf in London where, they, oh, you know, yeah. they go into that bar and OK, the the whole town knows what's going on. They're just like keeping it from everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just I, got those kind of vibes from it. Yeah, I think I've, <laughs> I've seen more than my fair share of the fair share of these like. I guess like rural horror films where like the people that live there just automatically discard and distrust <laughs> anyone from the outside. Yeah. So I was just like par for the course. <laughs> so now we're back outside with Sandy and you get that Martian shadow on the van. Yeah. And that, that we get a lot of that throughout this movie. Yeah. But what I love <laughs> is that Sandy leaps from the van and runs into the forest. Yeah, why didn't she just run into the bar? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> These people make no sense. No, so she takes off running and basically runs into the arms of Joe, which is Martin Landau. <laughs> and that's probably not the place you want to be. Yeah. 
So now we're back in the back inside the inn. And this is where Char Sarge shows up because he hears Greg's story. And now she because, must have passed out because he's carrying her. Uh, no, that's Joe. Oh, OK. So, yeah, no, no, this is this is where the locals are really starting to distrust Greg because he's sounding more and more like Sarge's cockamamie stories about the aliens and everything in the woods. And they think that now this kid's in cahoots with Sarge. Oh, yeah, where, yeah. Yeah, right. where Sarge starts going on that they need to prepare for the invasion. And he asks where the girl is. And Greg's like, she's in the van. And um, Sarge is like, go get the girl for proof. And that's where Greg realizes the van is empty. And he's wondering where Sandy is. Yeah. And Sarge is like, they've captured her. <laughs> and this is where he starts going into his soldier speak. And once again, I've jumped ahead. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. And then Aggie... Aggie, she's actually a very sweet lady. She tries to comfort Greg and everything. And she's kind of like, just kind of fills Greg in and says that Sarge has suffered a lot and she'll call the police now. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time, though, of many that Sarge actually repeats what was written on the bathroom wall from earlier. Uh, no hope. Um, no. What, the, what was it? No hope. No escape. Something like that. It was no chance, no help, no escape. Okay, yeah. No, I'm sorry. It was no shirt, no shoes, no surf. <laughs> <laughs> so inside, um, uh, the, Aggie's saying that the girl wasn't in the van and everything. And um, the patrons are now like startled. And they're like, is everything okay out there? And uh, this is where Sarge is going on. Like they start in the country and then they move to the cities. And then we realize he's got a gun. <laughs> And then uh, Fred Dobbs comes in, who is the sheriff, and he just shoots him. I shot the sheriff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think he would have shot the deputy, too. Probably, yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, and this is where we realize that he's been dealing with the lost Cub Scouts, too. So you they know, all just took off running. Yeah, and honestly, mm -hmm. I always wondered, like, when this film was over, I was like, what the hell happened to the scouts? Like, did they did they become trophies, too? Because they weren't inside the shed. So, like, what Which the hell happened? Which would have been amazing. I would have loved to have seen that film. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Show me the director's cut of that. Right, right. Well, you know, Sarge did get an honorable discharge after 20, 26 years of service. But all of this talk is interrupted by Joe the gas station owner arriving with Sandy's body. Okay. Yeah. See, I had it backwards. I thought it was uh, Martin Landau carrying the girl. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. No. Okay, so, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then Joe's like, I found her. And then she says she saw the creature and it was huge. And then she so, passed out in my arms or I had to punch her in the yeah. face and knock her out. Mm -hmm. And then, so Sarge is, um, you know, going into his combat talk and it's the enemy and he's going to start killing, you know, the, the aliens going to start killing people. And Joe um, realizes that they found the shack and he wants to know uh, where it's keeping the people that it's killed. And then the lights go out in the bar in the end. And that's when Dobbs freaks out even more. Mm -hmm. And then Aggie's like, oh, not again. And she lights the lamps and everything. So they're like, you, you, you get the impression that Maybe not all of this, but some of this weirdness has been going on for a while in this community. Yeah, it feels like they know that something's up. Yeah, because Joe's just like, oh, the power just got cut off again. 
Um, and the patrons are all like assuring everyone oh, it's nothing to be scared of and everything. Um, and then Aggie like turns to Joe and she's like, we're going to need your help with Sarge. What I want to know is how, like, maybe I missed a certain part, but I'm guessing that Joe had a feeling that something was going on and he, like people went missing and he was like, okay, show me this shack where the bodies are. Where, where does it keep the bodies? Well, right. Because later, if you remember, he himself was attacked. Oh yeah. He shows the, uh, the scar yeah, from scar. that thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, it was his left, left testicle, wasn't it? <laughs> exactly. He, he just pulled out one ball. It's yeah, like, look at this, Sandy. No, look. <laughs> it's kind of like in Jaws where they're comparing scars and everything. Right. <laughs> All right. And then Sarge is like, I mean, he's like full on. He's talking about how it's going to isolate us and take us one by one. And um, uh, it's going to um, return with more creatures from the universe and everything. Uh, and but Aggie's like, suppose it's all true. Like, why haven't the authorities done anything? And now Joe is like honing in on the shack and he really wants to know if they can find it again. Yeah. Um, and they're talking about maybe aliens are taking human form. And finally, Aggie is just like had enough of this stuff. Um, and that's when Sandy mentions that she feels that feels a chill. And then, oh, wait. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. I I jumped ahead. Uh -oh. This is where the door opens and uh, um, Sarge freaks out and shoots the sheriff. I'm so sorry, you guys. I did that out of order. Um, wow. The sheriff it's... isn't dead and he needs an ambulance. Okay. And this is where this is where Sarge really goes off the deep end and he blames Greg for making him kill the sheriff. Yes. No accountability. No. And then he turns the gun on Greg and then Joe. Jack Palance gets the gun away from Sarge. Yeah, because he's like, this all happened because you showed up and um, something or other. Exactly. Well, now Joe's got the gun. He tells the kids to go and the, he gives the uh, the, pat the gun to the patrons and they hold the gun on Fred, which allows them to leave. So this is where they go outside and there's that, <laughs> which I don't quite get the windshield, but this also like reiterates the point that clearly those discs don't really quite know what they're doing. I guess they just attach to anything because it's on that wooden post and it's just like sucking on the wooden post. Yeah. They're kind of dumb. Yeah. It's just, yeah. There's like, I, I guess there's no really brain behind what they're doing. Um, and then uh, Joe removes it with the knife blade. Puts it in his the, pocket. From the wooden post. <laughs> yeah. From the wooden uh, post. And they want to go, um, they want to go get help. But he's like, I want to go to the shack. Because he heard it was the love shack. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and then uh, he's saying that the Martian's going to kill people before the police would even show up. So now they're in the truck and it's the three of them. So we've got Joe driving. We've got uh, Greg and Sandy sitting next to him. So inside the bar, the ambulance has or at the bar. The ambulance has arrived and they're getting the sheriff you know, taken away and everything. Um, and, and the one patron goes to the sergeant. He's like, you better hope he ain't dead. <laughs> uh, and this, this again is where he repeats that, uh, that mantra, the no, no chance, no help, no escape. Um, and then, uh, he gives us like credentials and he salutes. 
So yeah, he's like really, really losing his grip on reality. That's when we know it's like this guy's done. Yeah, yeah, he's checked out and checked in. Um, so now we're back at the gas station and he, uh, Joe goes inside and he leaves the kids in the truck. Once he's inside, he puts that disc and that like jar of formaldehyde, which I thought was really quite funny. I don't know why, but I love the fact that he saved it. Um, <laughs> Not only that, but it, it seemed to come back to life inside. Right. There. Yeah. And, you know, Sandy, like now Sandy's becoming more and more the voice of reason. And Greg's just becoming a moron. Yeah. Because he he wants to help Joe kill like what killed their friends. She's like, no, I just want to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and so she, she on, even says, she's like, I don't want to be part of this macho revenge stuff. But no, like she's <laughs> overruled and the three depart in the truck. Um, This is where he like reveals his scarred arm from the disc attack. Yeah, and that he, thing really tore his arm up. Oh, man. yeah. And he's also like, I didn't tell anyone because they'll think I'm crazy. Um, and I'm like, like the Sarge. Yeah, he doesn't want to be labeled as the like the Sarge. Mm-hmm. And then so they find the shack um, and it's getting misty now and it's very dark. Um, and they this is when Joe and Greg depart. And then like Sandy's like, I'm not going. But finally, she's like, OK, I'll follow you. But it's very reluctant. And they give um, Joe's got the rifle, but he gives them the flashlight. And so they're all walking along. Um, and this is where it's revealed that Sarge is the one digging. Did been, this is when it's revealed, sorry, that Sarge is the one who's been digging the holes to catch the, the creature. Yeah. <laughs> this is also <laughs> when Sandy asked for the gun. And Joe's like, I'm not the crazy one, remember? <laughs> <laughs> and then we're at the shack. And this is where those squeaky noises I love so much. We hear those again. And um, Joe sees Tom's body. And then we get the, the Scoutmaster's face and then porn stash and then a topless Beth again and Cameron Mitchell and everybody. And then there's more squeaky noises coming from inside. And then Joe slowly backs out and gets back to the kids. Uh, and he's like, it's just like you said it was up there. And this is where Joe reveals that the, this is where the hunter's been keeping his food. And he'll come back for the bodies because he'll need his sustenance. Yeah. But it, is then, it food or was it just trophies? That's what I'm wondering. I wonder if it was food. Because hmm. in the beginning, he makes the thing about the difference between killing for sport and killing for food. Oh, yeah, I forgot. All so about I that. wonder if it's not his food, if he's gathering like, like, you know, like hunting for enough time, like he's. Um, you know, like how you, you use like save food for like, you know, over like the winter season or something, if maybe for some reason his aliens yeah, gathering enough food, I don't know, to sustain him for whatever, however long. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I wonder. What I'm wondering, why wasn't that shack cold? Because those bodies have got to be pretty ranted by now. Maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he enjoys that. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Anyway, in large letters, I have written disc with like three exclamation points. Because <laughs> disc. <laughs> yeah, because Joe gets hit in the leg, and this is where he gives uh, um, Greg the flashlight in the two retreat, but he's still got the rifle. Now Joe's like limping along, and he falls, and um, he gets uh, the two start heading to the woods. And now that you see the disc actually glow, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, that they should have had that effect from the beginning, like in yeah. the dark anyway. Yeah, I thought that was pretty nifty. Um, 
So he gets up and he cuts the disc on his leg free. He pries it off with his knife and it's a really gross wound. And he stands up and then stomps on it. And then he stomps it up with, he beats it some more with his rifle yeah. and squishes it. Which and reminded so, me of uh, Platoon where, where they were doing the, hitting that guy with the butt of the rifle. Ooh, horrible. Ugh, it was very bad. It gave me very bad, bad memories. <laughs> uh, and the Greg and Sandy have made it up to the highway and they try to flag down one car and it won't stop for them. But the second one approaches and it has its police flashers on. It's a cop car. So we <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> it is a cop car. <laughs> but it's being driven by Crazy Sarge. Yeah. But they don't look bother to look at the driver. They just climb in the back and start telling their tale. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then they realize that uh, he's going the wrong way. And that's when they realize that it's Sarge. <laughs> <laughs> Who's a dumbass now? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So now we're back at... Um, Taylor's garage and Joe comes limping back in and he comes back to his truck with explosives. Mm-hmm. So he's going to go back to the shack and do the deed. Good and old dynamite. Back, yeah. We're back in the cop car <laughs> and um, Greg's telling Sarge that Joe's still out there and he's hurt and they've got to go save him. Uh, but this is where it's revealed that Sarge actually believes that everyone's our alien basically now. Yeah. And they can't be trusted invasion of the body snatchers or something. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Exactly. Um, And so we're kind of intermittently cut between Sarge with the kids in the car and then Joe returning to the shack to like basically rig it to blow up with dynamite and the little pump explosion thing he's got. So um, they they get Sarge to pull over and then Greg kind of like feeds into this like alien body possession fantasy by telling them that they're part of the invasion force. Oh, that was fantastic. I oh, yeah. That. And then he's like drawing in the dirt and everything and, <laughs> you know, just give him all these like BS about the how they've like, uh, you know, come back and everything and there'll be more of them coming and everything. So Greg rushes him and the two flee off into the forest and then Sarge fires, but he's not a good shot. Thank goodness. Um, and right, he's still you yelling, think- show yourself as they <laughs> run out. For a guy who was in the armed forces, it's like he's not a good shot. Exactly. Now, this is something I don't, I don't know. I'm not in the, maybe you would behave differently, but they actually get back onto the road. Which I don't think I would have done. No, I would have stayed in the forest. Yeah, because this is where he sees him again, of course, and just rushes them. And they have to, like, jump over that bridge into the water. What was crazy is, like, a car can move faster than two people running. Right. And yeah. so it's like he's just behind him. <laughs> yeah, he's doing you know? a Martin Landau. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, just up the speed and run him over. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, Yeah. So they basically arrive on shore and Sandy's ankle's been hurting in all this like chaos. And unfortunately and they, they weren't like, covered in mud. So. Right. <laughs> right. But not like Arnold. Right. Um, so they discover this vacant house and they check to see if anyone's there and there's clearly no one home. Um, so they kind of like break in. Yeah. They which, just break in. And that gives us our first jump scare, right? 
Well, I had that other one earlier. What was my first? There's a first. Oh, when she fell. That that scared me. I jumped when she fell on the ground. Oh, okay. That didn't scare me. But this one. That, that scared me. This yeah. one made me jump. With the cat? Yeah. Yeah. So, but now let me ask you this. With everything going on, I don't think I would have broken a window. I would have tried to find a way to like jam the lock or something. Because mm-hmm. to me, just having a window intact is safer than having a broken window with that Martian out there. Not only that, but I would have also tried to be as quiet as possible. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So anyway, so yeah, they, they go inside and they're looking for a phone um, and they find that the phone is dead, but they realize it's going to be safer inside. So they just are going to kind of hang out there. Yeah. And they're just kind of making themselves at home from this point. Oh yeah. Like she's looking for cl- dry clothes and everything, which I... I guess I would have done that, but I don't even know if I would have thought to do that first. I would have just been like, I'm just going to hide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would be thinking about changing clothes at this point. It's a uh, it's safety over comfort, you know. Yeah, I just don't I don't think that would have been my my first thought in that situation. Well, and then she's not sure she even wants to stay. And Greg is like, well, you either stay and wait here or we try to go back into town now or wait till later, which I'm like, yeah, definitely wait till later. Don't do this in the dark. <laughs> so another thing. And I want to get your spin on this. They were like turning all the lights on. And that's something else I would not have done. Yeah, I wouldn't have done that. It's your advertising, like turning the beacon on saying, here I am. Come and get me. Right. OK. Yeah. So. Then we also get that POV shot. So we know that the alien or someone's watching him. The plants inside are all dried up and dead. Which tells us that nobody's been there for quite some mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And then I don't quite get the whole music box thing. Cause like she finds this music box and then she's going on about how I'm pretty sure she said Beth gave it to her on her ninth birthday. Yeah, like a music box like that, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, and she's boohooing about that. But I thought there was a reference earlier that they wouldn't have known each other at that age. I don't know. I didn't catch that. Anyway, so now they're in their flannel wear. And then he <laughs> puts her to bed, which I'm like, there is no way in hell I'm going to bed. Especially not in a dilapidated house. With- <laughs> no, with the, I just, Rob, I'm telling you, oh, I just. There's just so many so many things that I would not do that. Or if I was that tired, I'd be sitting up in a chair, like with something like a knife or something. Not like I'm going to allow. Yeah. That's not happening. Um, And then she's like, well, what if the place belongs to Sarge? Which I'm like, I would have never, I mean, I thought good on her for that because I would have never clued into that. Like that would have never entered my mind. Yeah. If that was his home, these people would just be screwed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I would have never gone there. I would have never thought of that. Anyway, so back in the kitchen, Greg's like the milk's bad in the kitchen and everything. Uh, But he's going to stay up and make some coffee. And then this is where Sandy calls out because she's had like a nightmare. Um, And she believes that there was something in the house. And I'm like, was it a nightmare or a premonition? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they both hear a noise. And so they think that maybe it was the cat or the owners or whatever. So they both go to check it out. And the back door is a jar and the coffee maker that he's filled. It's overflowing like someone turned the water because he left it in the sink and the water in the sink is still going now. It's overflowing. And then so, you know, he closes the door and of course he's like, oh, it was just the wind. I'm like, oh, yeah, it wasn't that Martian. It was just the wind, Greg, you idiot. Yeah. Somebody somebody turned the faucet back. All on. Right. <laughs> I'm like, Greg, you're stupid. And then I'm thinking, you know what? I think Greg and Sandy may have been meant for each other. Yeah, I think so. 
So the two decide to reinvestigate the house and they go back to the bedroom um, and the closet lights on. And Greg's like, I thought I'd turn that out. But he checks it and everything's OK. So he puts Sandy back to bed and he gives her like a little pep talk and a kiss. <laughs> and she lets her braids out, which I'm like, you're really getting comfortable here. Yeah. Sandy. But didn't you think that was kind of dumb when he's uh, investigating the closet? He grabs onto the lamp and the lamp is still plugged in. He doesn't really have a lot of room no. to like swing that lamp at anything or anyone. Not at anything. No, the, there's a lot about these two that I'm like. You're very dense people. Yeah, the, they they do not win the Darwin Award. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, so now back in the living room, we got Greg and he's drinking some coffee at the desk and we hear that wolf howl outside. And now Sandy, who apparently can like fall asleep at the drop of a hat, <laughs> awakens again and she screams, Greg. Um, oh, and she gets up. Now she gets up and she take, pulls her pants on. And I'm like, again, I'm not going to get undressed to go to sleep. No. Like, I'm like, no, 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 no. Wasn't um, it because her clothes were wet, though, that... Um, she she was wearing whoever owned the house shirt and like maybe I, nothing else in her pants. Rob, were put I don't care. <laughs> I don't. I'm going to wear those wet pants. Yeah. I don't, you know what I'm saying? Right. I know. Uh, uh, well, anyway, but it's so just she, like to set the tone of this movie. <laughs> These yeah. people are idiots. Oh, man. Yeah. They are not the brightest bulbs in the box. Yeah. So she heads into the living room and in classic uh, psycho fashion, she turns the chair around to reveal that there's a sucker on the guy's face. Um, and then the Martian. Like. Uh, steps out and she hits the light and it starts swinging around. So Sandy flees and she now. OK, so she flees screaming to a shed. OK, yeah, that's what I was trying to remember. Because also, am I right in saying that this is the first time that we actually get a good image of the, the actual creature? Yeah, yes, yes. Now, okay, oh, I'm trying to think how I want to say this. So the Martian passes and then attacks through that like little window and she locks herself in that separate room and she's trying to attempt to flee out that other window as the alien breaks through the door. Oh yeah, and she's like flinging boxes around and- yeah. Now, I hope you remember what I'm talking about, because this whole little this little itty bitty part reminds me of. The part from the howling when the reporters up at the cabin. OK, and she crawls underneath kind of the cabin and she actually chops off the werewolf's hand. Yes, yes, I do remember. Yep. But it just reminds me of that whole thing that kind of give me the same vibe. Yes. Yeah, like, why would you do You're you're putting yourself in a. In more of a trap than to kind of be out in the open. Yeah, just the whole thing. It just uh, just the shot and everything. It just all reminds me of that. Like they 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 gave me the same vibe. Anyway, so basically the window she's trying to get out of, Joe has arrived with a gun and he's got the gun pointed through the through the window and he's shooting the alien. Yeah, he's firing off rounds into that mm -hmm. wall. Yeah, so he pulls her out and then reveals that he wants to go back to the shack to fight it. <laughs> So she's still not safe. No, she's she's just like out of the frying pan into the fire. Yeah. And then he reveals that they're the sport and uh, that this is sport and they're the prize game. Right. And also that um, he's now hunting the alien, but the alien mm -hmm. doesn't know that he's hunting it. Exactly. So we're back at our misty shack and we get the point of view as the two approach um, the explosive detonator for uh, the dynamite. And Joe explains that the gun's scope 
how it works to Sandy so she can see it as he's going to head up there to the shack. Mm-hmm. Um, and he explains that the hunter always comes back for his game. Yep, Except, so all they got to do is sit and wait. But a crazy Sarge is now behind them with a gun. <laughs> you two ain't human no more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then he reveals that he lost a lot of his friends in this jungle. Yeah, he's he's gone. He's yeah. Gone. Mm-hmm. And he again repeats his motto from the bathroom that there's uh, no chance, no help and no escape. So. Joe rushes him and the gun goes off. And then I put useless Sandy grabs a limb, but freezes when she spies Martian by the shack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you would think by now she would kind of just get shit together and be like, all right, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go out with a bang, you know, and something. Yeah, this girl is I don't know what her deal is. I don't know if she's still being like, you know, if it's a callback to earlier where she said she couldn't kill anything, I don't know. But I think by now I'd be like, no, I'm taking you down, Mr. Alien Man. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. We're, so because got, it, it's like, you know, it's you or it, basically. Right. Exactly. Yeah, you know he's not going to play around with you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, she's not too good to wear someone else's flannel. You're <laughs> not too good to kill someone in here, Sandy. Right. Yeah, so Fred, Fred is approaching with the gun drawn, and the aliens just stand there watching it, which I... That was so creepy to me. You know, he's not yeah. even making a movie. It's just like, you know, come on. we got, I got this, you know. That's what I found to be the most terrifying thing is that thing's just sitting there with, with such certainty. Mm-hmm. And it's just like mm-hmm. observing these people. Like, what are these idiots doing? Yeah, exactly. So Joe and Sandy book it back to the detonator. And then Sarge is up there with the ale and he's like talking to it. He's like, now they're going to know. <laughs> <laughs> and... um. Oh, and I love how nonchalantly the alien flings those little. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those little flying sucker things. Uh-huh. And then Joe just... realizes that he's going to kill both of them if, if he hesitates. Yeah. So Sarge gets a double disc hit to the chest. And then the alien approaches as he falls on his knees to the ground, like at the alien's feet. Mm-hmm. But then Sandy realizes that he's not close enough to the shack. And she starts screaming, shoot him. Which is fine for someone else to shoot him. She just doesn't want to have to do it. (laughs) I can't do it. You do it. Yeah. So Fred. um, Wait, just. Yo, no, it's not Fred. It's Joe. Joe shoots him. Yeah. And the the alien bleeds piss. Yes. That yellow goo. Which reminded me. It looked a lot like you've seen Phantasm, correct? Yeah. It reminded me a lot of the same like yellow consistency of the goo and in, in Phantasm. Really? I thought that was more syrupy. This reminded me of urine, honestly. Oh, did it? Did yeah, because it, it was almost like a, a translucent yellow liquid, whereas the stuff in Phantasm was more like of an opaque kind of yellow. Mm. Either way, it's it's not good for the alien. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, Joe gets hit in the shoulder with a disc. So he cuts it off and then Joe tosses it back and then turns his back on the alien, which I'm like, why are you doing this, Joe? (laughs) He's like, I'm a tough guy. (laughs) I guess. I think he's been with Sandy too long and she's starting to rub off, if you know what I mean. Maybe so. Yeah. Yeah, Making some poor choices. So a second disc gets him in his shoulder and he decides to just sacrifice himself, which I'm like, you could just, you know, have her cry that off. But anyway. (laughs) 
<laughs> he rushes towards the towards the shack, screaming "Alien," which I love. <laughs> oh, that was Alien! Yeah, Alien! <laughs> and then, so he yells for Sandy to hit the plunger, and she does. But of course, nothing happens because the stupid wires were stupid not connected. Wires. No. Uh, so Joe just latches onto the alien's leg. <laughs> You're not going anywhere, you son of a bitch. Which I wonder what the alien's making out of all of this. I wonder, <laughs> I just would love to know what the alien's actually thinking. Oh, man. So in the interim, Sandy is rewiring the little detonator thing. And the alien, it, it, it I think he's figured out what's going on. He lets that, like, it's almost like an elephant scream. Yeah, I thought it was like. Okay, the the way the shape of the mouth, it looked like a hiss, but the sound that came out was completely different from a hiss. And I wonder if they just did the best they could with what they had. (laughs) Maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So she plunges it down again. The shack goes up in flames. And then uh, Sarge goes into like his little quote about aliens. uh, And uh, us being the only, only ones in the universe is repeated. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's the end of our film. I love how the they did like a reshot of when uh, the shack blew up. You actually saw the alien burning and then you saw like the alien figure blowing up as well. But he didn't fall. No, he just stood. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm like, oh, bless your heart. Yeah. So it was like, what is this fire? I can, I yeah, can walk right. this off. <laughs> yeah, I can walk this. It's a mere flesh wound. <laughs> Tis a flesh wound. <laughs> yeah. So now, Rob, did you enjoy the movie? I did. I had a lot of fun with it. Oh, good. Okay. I was a little nervous. I, I, I was worried it might be too slow for you and not enough alien. Well, there was definitely not enough alien, but I, I still got some enjoyment out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, now, would you recommend it to others? I would. Oh, good. That makes me so happy. I would say if you're a fan of um, 80s horror, definitely sci-fi alien fan, um, then you owe it to yourself if you can find this movie. Now, how you don't have a physical copy, is that correct? You watched it online somehow? Uh, well, yeah, I actually signed up for this. Uh, what was it called on Amazon? It was called Flix or something like that. Okay, gotcha. Um, so it was like you get a seven day trial and this movie actually happened to be on there. Oh, cool. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Now, I actually, like I said, I, I have the Scream Ray, Scream Ray, Scream Factory Blu-ray. And I also have the Kino Lorber release as well. So I have two releases of this movie because I love it so darn much. Wow, you're really mm-hmm. all in. Oh, I love this movie. I can't, I, words cannot relate how much I love this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so awesome. I, I just, I don't know what what about it because it's, it's it doesn't, like if you're wanting a high body count, it doesn't have that. If you're wanting, you know, uh, tons of gore effects, it really doesn't have that. Um, the characters are crazy. Like Martin Landau and, and uh, uh, Jack Palance are both very unhinged in this film. Um, I think it's they made people. it like they made this. Oh, movie yeah. Oh, was. totally. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, it's just there's something about it. And I don't I'll be honest with you. I think. It may have something to do with the fact that I had wanted to see it for so, 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 so long that I had really built it up and everything. Mm hmm. 
I don't know if that's it, but I just, I love the thing. I love it so much. Well, I can see why. I mean, it's despite, there are flaws to it, of course, but Mm -hmm. despite all that, it was still an enjoyable experience. Yeah. And I love stuff in the, in the woods, like that, you know, like kind of slasher feel to it. I love the stuff set in the woods. I do love that. Um, I, I think the practical effects are pretty cool for what they are. I think they did a good job with that. Oh, hell yeah. And it pays off big time when you get your first glimpse of that towering alien, that blue creature, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's just so much fun. Yeah. I love the thing, and I would highly recommend it. Um, I feel bad. I don't think we mentioned Kevin Peter Hall. So the actor that actually played the Martian is Kevin Peter Hall. Um, we've spoke about this gentleman before he was, he played the predator and predator. Um, he was in, um, another movie that I love called highway to hell from 91. Um, basically anytime it seemed like they needed someone to play a very tall creature of any sort, he got that job. Uh, he was in one dark night, which I love with Meg Tilly from 81. Uh, he played the mutant bear in prophecy, which is very near and dear to my heart from 79. But uh, <laughs> I'm still going to have to see him. that. Oh, oh, yeah, it's a bear. (laughs) I I love it so much. But um, yeah, no, I'm glad you liked it. I hope other people have have not seen this movie. Give it a watch um, because I think it's so much fun. And I really do thank you for humoring me and watching this one. (laughs) Hey, that's what this show is all about. You know, we watch the we watch the movies and even if we've never seen them, it can always be good to see something for the first time. Yeah, I do enjoy that. All right. And on next episode of Midnight Mass Creature Cast, we are going to be journeying back to 1987. We're going to get our fangs and our leather jackets for Lost Boys. Yeah, and I'm going to I'm going to get a well, try to find a bleach blonde wig and tease my hair up and do a little get a little Kiefer <laughs> Sutherland going on there. There you go. And then we'll have to uh, not like trim our toenails for a while. So we got those little pointy claws. So when we hang upside down. We don't oh, fall. yeah. We, you know, we've got to get those cat eyes, too. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully Jamie Gertz will pop by just to say hi, because I love her so much. <laughs> we need uh, grandpa. <laughs> All the grandpa. goddamn vampires. Exactly. All right. Yes. So that's what we'll be doing. So we hope you join us that time. Absolutely. Oh, OK. So and then on that note. If you'd still like to get in touch with me, <laughs> I could be reached uh, chlamydia free at Instagram at Midnight Mass Creature Cast. And I would love, love to interact with you there. I appreciate all those people who have reached out to me. Yeah, that's great. And also, you can send us an email at mmccpod at gmail.com to go old school with it. Woohoo! All right. And until then, we really appreciate you joining us because the more the scarier. And we will see you next time. And we hope you continue to stay spooky. Mm-hmm.